Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. How are we all doing this week? Hope you're all well. <laughs> good news out of uh, good old Melbourne, Victoria that we're out of lockdown now for who knows how long. <laughs> uh, people already say, oh, don't, don't jinx us already for next time, but you know, it's a inevitability, I guess. I guess it's just a feeling a bit more cynical this week about everything. Um, not feeling cynical, of course, about, about racing and, and F1, which we're going to preview the Hungarian Grand Prix for you this week. i uh, got some news on supercars too, which, you know, that's probably where the cynical side comes from. But um, it's going to hopefully be a, a short, sharp one this week, just previewing the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's our final race before the mid-season break as well. And even though it's been two weeks since or almost two weeks since the British Grand Prix, that the fallout is just non-stop. You know, there's still been a lot of discussion and talk about the incident that happened at Cops between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, to the point where Red Bull now are pursuing legal action for that 10-second penalty to be reviewed that Hamilton got. Obviously, they feel like that that wasn't enough and that more should be done. Red Bull have also estimated that, you know, it was $1.8 million worth of damage to that was done to Verstappen's car from the incident. You know, they're going to be hoping that the power unit will be salvageable. They're going to do a test on that during the Friday practice sessions to see if it is in good nick. But yeah, otherwise, as much as, you know, I've heard people talking about it and everything, I haven't really kept my mind on it. You know, I've been of that mentality that, you know, it was inevitable that that was going to happen, you know, that there was going to be a flashpoint in this championship battle, inevitable that it's going to happen again, you know, there's going to be more. As much as we don't want to see something like that, you know, a horrible high-speed crash or whatever, it's it's inevitable that there will be flashpoints throughout the season, you know, never you're going to see a championship where the, the racing stays, like, I'm not going to say clean, but like, you know, it's it's, you know, it's not going to go in a procession, there's always going to be some kind of uh, flashpoint that happens, I've used the (laughs) um, term flashpoint quite a bit (laughs) already, so let's try and stop myself from using it for the rest of the uh, show, but yeah, it's, it's what gets people talking, that's the main thing, you know, and that's what everyone's talking about currently, so call me cynical or whatever, but I feel like, yeah, you know, it's not the first and it's not the last, and um, we'll just move on with it and see what unfolds in the next part of the season. Um, it'll be great, obviously, after this race for teams and drivers to go away, get that break, because remember last year we didn't have a mid-season break because we started the season in, in July and worked our way through to December. What, there's eight points at the moment in the championship between... Uh, Max and Lewis, you know, will that be overturned this time out in Hungary? Who knows? Because Mercedes have come in or coming into this weekend saying that um, Red Bull very much are the favourites here. Uh, You'd think that the low-speed corners, the Monaco-style layout um, would suit Red Bull, uh, given that, you know, they've excelled at those street tracks earlier in the year, your Monaco's, your Baku's, and Hungary, even though it is a permanent street, a permanent (laughs) course um it is of that kind of go-kart style track nature as we've said over the years so yeah but then again Red Bull haven't done quite as well here as they would have liked in the past few years like certainly 
in the hybrid era, they've had the one win there with Daniel Ricciardo, 2014. They were on the podium a couple of times. But Ferrari is a team that have done considerably better than um, Red Bull in the last five years um, at this track. So, and when you look at Mercedes, Hamilton, he's just, you know, eight-time race winner here. He's won four of the last five. You look back to that race in 2019 where he... Uh, was able to switch over to the two-stop strategy and come back and beat Max as well. You know, the race that we all thought Max was going to win. Um, they are still going to be very much in the mix, I think, you know, and it's going to be one of those interesting weekends. What can Mercedes do to try and get themselves ahead? How's Max feeling as well? You know, that's important um, from a from a physical point of view, like physical health-wise. Um, he took part in some online esports 24-hour race apparently last weekend just to test his fitness for driving driving a formula one car and he felt like he was he was looking good so um yeah as long as max isn't too shaken up because it it would do a number to you being being shaken up like that in a 51g crash that he had but you know these guys are almost superhuman with their with the way that they exercise and train and the way they have their reflexes. So I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if it's if it's like nothing ever happened, except he'll probably feel a lot more um, determined and also a bit aggrieved that um, that all occurred and he'll try and make sure he does his uh, talking on the track and get that result, and which, you know, chasing the win, of course, and that's going to put him in a good position heading into the next part of the season when after the break. So... Looking at all that, um, Mercedes, if if they feel like they're on the back foot, will we'll come see in qualifying because that's where Hamilton certainly puts his foot forward and pulls out these incredible laps in the not just from Silverstone but from the races beforehand. He'll try and get himself on the front row of the grid. He'll be as close as he can, um, and then it's it's got to be front row because then you've got that run into turn one. Uh, so he can't qualify anywhere lower. And for Max, it's about, you know, covering himself into turn one because Hungary is one of those tracks, as I said, like Monaco, like Baku, uh, which just, they're pretty hard to overtake on. And the DRS zone as well, both DRS zones that you have in Hungary, they don't seem very long enough for, for overtakes to happen. So especially down the pit straight, you might get a couple going into the first corner, but that's really only a uh, place that you can do do a lot of overtaking. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, but as we saw the race a couple of years ago, it was to do with strategy that got Mercedes ahead. Last year, they were just on pure pace. They dominated even in the wet conditions. And it was kind of shocking <laughs> that, you know, Max compromised himself heading into the race, you know, on the on the warm-up lap, kind of took him out of contention there. So if that had not happened, it might have been a different story. I, I honestly don't remember how the race panned out. I just know that it was a Mercedes 1-2 and Max ended up on the podium after crashing his way to the grid pre-race. So hopefully this one will be a bit more entertaining in terms of being a bit open Having a quick look at the weather forecast as well, um, rain, <laughs> there's chance of uh, scattered thunderstorms and whatnot as well, but then the temperatures look like it's going to be a scorcher too, 31 Celsius, 32 Celsius, and we know that Mercedes don't like hot conditions particularly, so it's 
I love Hungary. I as much as you know last year's race, people were disappointed with it. Hungary is one of those races that always throws up something interesting. I think some of my favorite Grand Prix are Hungarian Grand Prix, and you know not to not to bring that this old um, old wound up again, but. The plan last year was to attend the Hungarian Grand Prix before COVID, you know, had the had the flight all booked and was going to head over to, to Budapest and stay the weekend. Um, and, you know, why I chose Hungary, it's because outside of, you know, perhaps Silverstone or, or Spa or whatever, it's one of those races I really want to go to. It seems really entertaining. So while that might not happen for another couple of years, let's say... Um, I hope it's an exciting one to watch on TV, so yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it, um, let's let's get it back on track though to, to the this weekend and everything, and you're looking at uh, what I said before about Ferrari having better results here over the past few years than, than Red Bull, you got to say, it was kind of surprising that Ferrari were in the position they were to be leading the British Grand Prix for as long as they did. Um, they were strong in Monaco, and as I said, the circuit is very Monaco-esque, so I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Ferrari featuring, um, particularly Leclerc, he's been he's been excellent. He was robbed in Monaco, of course, with having that pole position and then uh, taking the grid penalty or whatever for, for the change of gearbox. Um, science has been excellent too, they've both had podiums this year, so as much as it pains me to say this in terms of the, the battle with McLaren in the Constructors' Championship, you know, I kind of think Ferrari have that car where they can sporadically feature at the pointy end of the grid to, to take wins, as much as, you know, it pains me to say, um... But at the same time, you know, I feel like McLaren could also have a role to play in this race too. So, you know, your top four teams, basically, you, you know, Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, you know, the teams that you want to see up there fighting for, for the win. So we'll see come qualifying where, where these guys are because McLaren, you feel that as much as you want to like Daniel Ricciardo, he's kind of... Um, letting the team down at the moment, you know, all the memes that you see around of Lando pretty much carrying the team and everything, and Ricardo himself saying that, oh, his, his own high expectations are kind of hurting him, I mean, if he can get his thing, if he can get his act together in qualifying and, you know, put in lap times that are worthy of the top five, top six, he, he'll be up there, you know, and then, we know that he can get podiums, we know he can get wins, so it's just about the qualifying, last time out, you know, he was helped by the fact that we had a sprint race in terms of qualifying for the grid, and we know that he can race that car really well once he gets into his groove, but, you know, the, this is where, you know, the kind of wheat, the wheat gets separated from the chaff, is that you've got guys who can, or you've got drivers who are great qualifiers, you know, and then back it up on Sunday, you're not just a Mr. Saturday, or a Mrs. Saturday, or whatever, and then you completely flop on Sunday, you're an all-rounder, and that's what we've seen from, from Lando, especially, and gee, you know, the last couple of races, it's been so disappointing that, you know, or just the last race with the pit stop problem that they had, and getting back behind Bottas, uh, denying Lando the podium potentially on home soil. So whether they can back up um, with a good weekend this weekend, 
the threat will be there from Ferrari. So so who knows? I'm I'm looking forward to it. That's all I can say. Um, and hopefully, yeah, Ricardo, who has won a race here before, he's been on the podium here for Red Bull, can feature. You know, if if it's going to be his weekend to get a podium. Sounds like this is this is what they're talking about that it could be. So we'll just have to wait and see. But so looking forward to it, you know. So good to see both Ferrari and McLaren featuring up there, fighting for for the podiums, and hopefully next year fighting for wins. Who knows? Someone who possibly could be fighting for wins next year it depends on if whether this is the right choice or not. Is is Alpine? You know they've confirmed that they're switching their development focus to next year now. Um, how long before others are going to follow suit? Because you know you want to hit the ground running for twenty twenty two for the whole new technical regulations. You don't want to be really stuck in developing this year's car because it's not going to really get you anywhere. Um, so who knows? You know if if focusing on that car. Do you think a manufacturer team like Alpine with Renault are able to push for a win here and there? That would be great. That that would be great. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's pretty much it. You know, you, you expect a tight midfield battle as always. Um, can can Russell kind of bother the the midfield a little bit as well? Like. This is one of those tracks where if he gets his Saturday right and kind of is towards the towards the top ten, or if not gets into the top ten, if he keeps his uh, nose clean during the race, he could be on for some points. So, but we don't know what uh, what part the weather's going to play either. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But it's going to be hot which, you know, I kind of miss at the moment because it is freezing cold. <laughs> freezing cold out here. Anyway, um, but a lot has started to ramp up in terms of silly season talk as well. So uh, quite a few people during the week reporting or even just in the last week and a half reporting that uh, Valtteri Bottas could be uh, on his way to Alfa Romeo next year, we've certainly heard from Toto Wolf that Wolf wants to do everything he can to secure Bottas a, a plum drive if he doesn't end up in a Mercedes next year. And the fact that that comment's been made kind of makes you think that, yeah, well, you know, why would you say that about your driver if um, you're planning on keeping him next year or whatnot? So, you know, Bottas at Alfa Romeo, I mean... I don't think it's going to be difficult for Bottas to land a plum drive. And when I mean plum, I mean a race-winning drive immediately, you know, after Mercedes, after going from the best team on the grid for five or so years to being in the midfield, you know, how's that going to be? Uh, Williams have got their eyes on some other targets. They've got Nicky Hulkenberg in mind. Talked about that a while ago, saying, yeah, Hulk could go back there. Daddy Kvyat, another one who... This year, he's with Alpine as their test and reserve driver, so he will have, like, important information, you know, as far as working with Red Bull, with AlphaTauri in the past. He was a Ferrari reserve driver back in 2015, I think, as well, when he lost uh, lost the Toro Rosso drive, so, you know, he could be a good candidate there. And then even Nick DeVries, who's, who's popped up lately. And the thing is, as much as, you know, you want to say F1 is the premier open wheel category it's the best in the world would you want to give up a top drive in formula e where you know de Vries has 
it might not be this season, or who knows, this season's been so up and down there in Formula E. It's been entertaining, but it's just so up and down with results. Um, give up a top drive in Formula E for a manufacturer team like Mercedes to go join Williams, who, let's be honest, they're not going to be a big mover or shaker in 2022, even if they get the uh, their car right in development, they'll be in the midfield fighting for points regularly, and maybe if if the the cars are unpredictable enough, knocking on the door of a podium, but if I were to race, you know, as much as the opportunity to get into F1 is is everyone's dream, I'd almost want to stay in F, FE, because it's, um, you know, you're more likely going to win a world championship with the team that you're with at the moment, then then you are going over to Williams. So, but um, that's also saying whether Latifi's going to keep his drive next year as well. I mean, they'd hope that one of their drivers that they have on board, Williams, will bring in some money. And I don't think Hulkenberg or even Kvyat have the same similar budgets that Latifi do. Like, if you want, if they're able to go for a whole new lineup, go for it. If they're going to be in a position where they're going to be a real a threat in the midfield but I'm not too offended by Latifi I think he's a great guy I think he's doing what he can it's it's one of those situations where you've got such a great teammate in in Russell who's destined for many a great thing as as everyone keeps saying you know <laughs> um, and perhaps say too often where you know let's just wait and see when he gets into a Mercedes and then we'll start singing his praises I think, you know, if Latifi had someone else as his teammate, he might it might look comparatively better. But I don't know. I just you know, I think he's he's a great guy. He deserves um if they don't do a wholesale switch, I think he deserves to to stay on next year. I don't think he deserves to be the number one driver in the team and the guy pushing the development of the team, certainly I think he's a solid uh, driver, but I don't think he's like team leader capability. So that's where I sit on Latifi. I'm not trying to say that he's better than George Russell because I know that's going to result in um, carnage, basically. Anyway, so yeah, if if you get someone like a Kvyat or a Hulkenberg in, Hulkenberg would be great because he just you know he's solid. He's he did well when he was at Renault, pushing their development and whatnot. Just I guess what. The sad thing with him is that he's not got the results to kind of show for it. You know, he's got that record of I'm the only driver with um I like I've had the most races as a driver in F1 without a podium. You'd want that to end. <laughs> so yeah, and and Kvyat, you know, uh, another chance for him to get back into the sport. Does he deserve it? I've always been a fan of Kvyat, even if he hasn't been, you know, the most consistent driver, he's had a lot of issues, but, you know, if this could be the make it or break a chance, especially outside the, uh, the Red Bull family as well, you know, you'd, you always like to see how these drivers would do outside of the Red Bull family, and we've seen, you know, Science excel, you've seen Vettel go on and win races, but, you know, ultimately come short of championships at Ferrari, Ricardo just trying to get it right as well so you know I want to see how another one of those drivers goes to in, in Fiat so they're kind of the main places I think that we've got a silly season going on at the moment everywhere else should kind of sort itself out you think um, 
Alfa Romeo, if uh, they've got free hand over who they get to pick for next season, then you'd think that they'd go for a wholesale change, which would mean, sadly, that Kimi Raikkonen has to say goodbye to his F1 career at the end of the year, unless, of course, he ends up at another team. Who knows? Who knows? I would personally put Kimi in the Mercedes and see how he would go. He could win a few more races. Um, even give him like a, a half-year contract or whatever, or, or whatever, a one-year deal. It would certainly um, piss the hell out of George Russell. But anyway, that's just my little dream. I want to see Kimi win again. But um, Austin 2019, oh sorry, Austin 2018 was the last time the Iceman won a race. So, yeah, more on silly season, I'm sure, in the coming weeks, but we've also got a silly season in terms of the calendar as well, and this is where it kind of piqued my interest in the week, uh, reading headlines such as, you know, unlikely circuit joins is to join the calendar, and that's um, over there in the Middle East, and it's the Qatar circuit there, the LaSalle International Circuit, which... For those MotoGP fans out there, you'll know is the the season opening race always. They do it under lights. It's it's amazing. It's a FIA Grade One circuit as well, so they're able to do Formula One there. And behind that, there is also other motives and interests at play. And it's 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 good. You know, it's not whenever you hear motives and interests, you think it's some something shifty's going on. Not at all. Um, apparently, the Qataris have a significant investment in the Volkswagen Audi group. And at the moment, they've got, you know, uh, manufacturer summits going on, trying to lobby for, for new manufacturers to join F1 in 2025 when the engine rules change again. And of course, high up on the list, there is the Volkswagen Audi Group to get one of their brands to join F1 in, in 2025 as an engine supplier or as a factory team. Why not sweeten the deal with uh, letting your investors or your shareholders host a race in, host a race in their country, particularly um, at a time where F1, you know, they're so desperate to fill a 23 race schedule for this year. I, you know, I'm one of those people who've said, just, just give up, but you know, they're not going to give up. They're going to try and having a Grand Prix there in Qatar, possibly replacing the Australian Grand Prix this year, it'll shape what would be an Arabian triple header because, there's some kind of uh, travel restrictions going on at the moment between the UK and I think it's Qatar and Abu Dhabi or the UAE. So they're like red zones or whatever. So instead of um, flying everyone back after a Qatar Grand Prix or whatever, they've gonna they're gonna put the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which is supposed to debut this year, in the middle of that, or possibly even change. Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia around, so we have the Saudi Grand Prix as the final race of the season uh, along the Jeddah waterfront, and then bring Yas Marina as the penultimate race, so a lot to still um, shape out in terms of the calendar this year, uh, there was a bit of a threat with the Dutch Grand Prix, apparently with a ban on public events until like August or whatever because of um, the COVID situation there but apparently it doesn't apply to the Dutch Grand Prix so <coughs> sorry hopefully we do get to see a race at Zandvoort this year I'm sure a lot of people disappointed that we couldn't last year 
So we already know that uh, Singapore's off, but we're going to have Russia, Turkey come after those three European races that we have after the mid-season break, the Spa, Monza, and then uh, Zandvoort will be in between those, I think. Um, Japan still seems like it's going to go ahead, and, you know, they've got the Olympics on there at the moment and everything. Uh, Brazil, bleh, 50, who knows, Mexico as well, but the consensus was that we'd have like a double header in Austin, so if we're going to have 23 races this year with, with Qatar on the list and also Japan keeping its slot, that would mean Brazil or uh, Mexico would have to drop off, so yeah, I guess we don't know yet what's going to happen in terms of that, so I think hopefully in the coming weeks we'll know a bit more about how the end of the season will look and they're still targeting I think December as the finishing time for the season I think it's like December the 5th I don't know might be thinking of supercars at the moment because their calendar's all over the place too and I will talk about that a bit later on as well because it's quite important with certain key events but yeah December 12th at the moment is when the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is slated to go ahead. So, you know, it'll be a good way to end the season. It'll be a safe way to end the season as well, hopefully. Um, yeah, you know, we'll, so, sorry, we'll hopefully find out more in the coming weeks about that. Um, forgot to point out too, it was great to see, and this is kind of, you know, the positive story I was hoping that I could talk about, uh, especially with all the, the Hamilton bashing going on out there. Um, Hamilton and Mercedes have together launched a charity called Ignite to promote motorsport diversity. Of course, you know, after the results of the commission that he launched a while ago as well came out um, and I outlined some key things. I think this is a good thing. You know, I, I hate reading some of the comments that people put up, uh, especially about him, you know, just doing it to for publicity or doing it, you know, like this, what, what's the point? Where's the morality in it? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's people out there who don't have a voice sometimes or who don't get recognized because of these things. And this is a chance to give the spotlight to them, you know, not people because they are, you know, put it up in the comment section on a blog or, um, on Twitter that, you know, this is my opinion, you, you know, this is, he's just a pretender, blah, 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 you know, just, just stop it, you know, it's a good thing that they're doing, it's a good thing that Formula One's doing, and yeah, before I start going on to a rant about all the uh, racist comments that he was getting after the British Grand Prix, don't have time for that, thank you very much, see you later. <laughs> and on that note, let's move it on to supercars then, and yeah, um, as you know, as I said at the start of the show, uh, we're out of lockdown here in Victoria now, um, although the situation in Sydney is kind of worsened, uh, their lockdown is, has been extended by another four weeks, which has forced supercars to make the decision to delay the Bathurst 1000 to November most likely, so um, even though Bathurst is nowhere near Greater Sydney, it's in its own kind of zone off to the west, um, there is still a lot that, you know, they kind of have to travel through Sydney or, um, you know, infrastructure and all that, and they want fans to be able to come as well rather than just having 4,000 people a day like they did last year. Um, and a lot of those fans do come from, from Sydney, for example. So 
you know, it's given them time as well to to get that sorted to make sure that they can run the best possible Bathurst event, um, like they said in the press release or whatever. So, you know, that's fine as long as we get a Bathurst 1000 this year. That's the main thing. A lot of people have said that it's important to protect the race rather than just the date. So, you know, we've got to have that race and whether it's going to be in October, November, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll have it wherever it is. You know, we got used to the fact that uh, we had a race at the start of the year, you know, uh, Mount Panorama 500. So who would have thought that we would race, uh, have sprint races there at Bathurst this year. So it's it's what you got to do to adapt in these times. Um, but as long as we have the race, that's the most important thing and we might have a few more rounds before then which would be good too so it sounds like Queensland Raceway there in August has been cancelled as well and it's good to see that we've got a couple of Victorian circuits um, looking to back up so it looks like we're going to have a bit of a break from supercars uh, through August and September with Winton and Phillip Island which you know Phillip Island we haven't seen in supercars for a while now I think since 2019 so those two circuits looking to return in October, then having your Bathurst 1000 in November or even at the end of October if they can squeeze it in and then finishing off the season there. The Sydney Super Night hoping to run there and also Gold Coast 500 still as the finale. So that'll be the minimum of 12 events that they are required to go ahead for the championship. Um... Perth will likely to be called off, unfortunately, because it's impossible to get over there to WA. The the restrictions are too, or the border restrictions are too, just, yeah, it's it's Perth. <laughs> People here will understand what I'm talking about. And New Zealand as well, due to the, like, I was wrong. I was saying, oh, we could do, like, a couple of races in New Zealand, you know, make the most of the time. But the Trans-Tasman bubble has been closed and will be closed until September, I think, at the earliest. So that's gonna dash all hopes of having a uh a race in New Zealand even just the one race in New Zealand this year which is a bit disappointing it's always great when they go over um there to race but at the same time you know if we get 12 events run here in a safe manner we get our Bathurst 1000 as well um that's all we can ask for and one benefit possibly of delaying Bathurst as well this year could be that we see Scott McLaughlin be able to come back from the US and race there so provisionally he is meant to be co-driving for uh, Dick Johnson Racing there in uh, Will Davison's car which was his old car but um, sorry that's not even true Will Davison's just using the number uh, Scotty's old car is actually Anton's car um, I don't know why they, they swapped chassis or swapped numbers from chassis but anyway Maybe Will just wanted the number 17. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that would be great too if, if we could see Scotty back on the grid in time for that. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, you know, and it, it'll be sad not seeing a bit of supercars racing for a while, but who knows? That's not actually a definite yet. That's, like, not even um, the, final, the final calendar kind of thing. So we'll see we'll see hopefully they announce something soon and then we'll be able to talk about it next week when we do our little um what do you call it 
<laughs> Hungarian Grand Prix review. I don't know. It's always towards the end of the day I start to kind of drop out anyway. But it was a nice day. So, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Thank you guys for tuning in, of course. I'm on Twitter there at Hit the Apex Media. Look it up. Um, otherwise, I'll be blogging the race on the weekend uh, on Sunday. Take care. Have a good one. And I'll be back next week. Ciao.